All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Thank you guys for uh, coming out. Listen, just before we jump into this, we say a couple things. Anytime we have to make a decision like, do we have church? Do we not have church? There's so many different factors that go into that. Um, and we want to look at your safety. We also believe in the importance of coming together. So know this, that whenever we make that call, however we make it, we're doing the best we can. And, you know, sometimes you make the call and you'll get here. You're like, there was nothing on the road. Other times we'll say, hey, come on in. And you'll drive in the parking lot. And you're like, hey, this is kind of fun, right? So, um, but just do that. But here's the other thing too, is um, especially when we have one service like this at 11 o'clock, uh, a couple of things happen. It's good because having two services, which we have to have every week, it's good to kind of be in maybe with some people you're not normally with um, in worship. But then the, the, the sacrifices, especially in our kids' ministry, that those volunteers who were, were slated to volunteer during this service aren't able to worship in, in, in the setting like this today. And so if you've got kids this morning, when you go pick your kids up, would you make sure and say a special thank you to all of our volunteers that um, have given up being in here this morning to provide that one service um, time for our kids. So I just want to make sure that you guys know that that sacrifice is going on. And um, man, I'm just glad you guys are here this morning. Um, as we begin our, our next series, our new series um, for this new year that we're calling Choose Joy. If you look at the, the bumper, before, the trailer as we came in, you know, it's, it, the idea of this series is really this, is what if at the beginning of 2017, you could make up your mind, we could make up our mind that no matter what happens, we're going to know that we're going to respond a certain way in 2017. What if at the beginning of this year, we can make the decision and hold on to the promise that no matter what might come our way, that we can have an incredible year, that we can experience incredible happiness, that we can have an incredible joy in our life. And that's what we want to look at because here's kind of the big idea for this series. And so if you're taking notes, write this down, pull out your message notes, but, but this is the big idea for the series is that joy is not just a possibility. Joy is a promise. The, the, the Bible tells us this, that joy is not just a possibility, but joy is a promise. That Jesus has promised that we can experience joy. Jesus has promised that we can find happiness. Jesus has promised that no matter what comes our way, we can respond in a way that chooses to be joyful. And so for the next eight weeks or so, we're going to be walking through um, a New Testament book called Philippians. And we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But, you know, what if you could today make up your mind that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to choose joy. That's what this series is really all about. Look at this verse that Jesus said and what he said in John 15, 11. He said, I've told you these things. So what are these things? These are the things that he taught. These are the things that he was about. He said, I told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Not that you might be filled with joy. You may be filled with joy, but that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So not just a little bit of joy, not just a small amount of joy, but a joy that would overflow in your life. That joy is not just a possibility, but joy is a promise from the very mouth of God's son, Jesus Christ. And so we can experience joy if we'll choose joy. So the book of Philippians, let's, let's read the first couple of verses. We're going to go through the first 11 verses today, and we're going to walk through this verse, like I said, over the next, uh, next several weeks, looking at what does the Bible teach us? What does Paul, the author of this letter, teach us about choosing joy and how we can find joy? 
And here's just kind of as an introduction, here's what he says. His Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So four things to kind of understand what we're reading, what we're going to be studying over these next weeks. And the first one is this, is that Paul was the author of this letter. So Paul, the, the apostle Paul, um, the, the, the New Testament leader, Paul, that, that he was the one who wrote this. Go ahead and go to those next slides. That it was written by Paul while he was in prison. It was written by Paul while he was in prison. And that's going to be so important to understand as we look at the context of this letter because Paul wasn't in a great, fun place in life. He was in prison. He was in prison because of his faith. And it was addressed to these people. Listen, it was addressed to the believers of the church in a town called Philippi. Now, this was a church that Paul himself had started when he was traveled around on one of his missionary journeys. So Paul founded this church around 20 so years before. And so he's writing back to this one church, this group of believers, followers of Jesus Christ in this town called Philippi. And here was the purpose. The purpose was he was writing to not only thank them, but he was also writing to them to encourage them to keep living their lives in a way that was faithful to Jesus. So he's writing this very personal letter. And we're going to see this, this letter is very personal. This very, letter is very authentic. It's very emotional at times. It's very personal that Paul's writing to this. And the theme, one of the main themes of this letter is joy and happiness. Is Paul's wanting to express not only his profound joy in Jesus Christ, and even though what he's experiencing in prison, he's also wanting to encourage them that they too can choose joy. Well, what is joy? Joy is one of those things, right, that if you look it up, there's all kinds of definitions. If I were to ask, you know, 10 people in the room to define joy, we would come up probably with some similarities, but some different definitions. Because joy is one of those things that we, we know it when we see it. We, we understand it and recognize it when we feel it. But it, it's kind of hard to put into, into words. And so I was kind of looking this week, and I found three different definitions that I think help kind of say, here's what we're talking about when we think about joy. The first one's this. This is out of the dictionary. That joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. That joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Now, I used to believe that the Bible taught that joy and happiness were two different things. I've even taught that joy and happiness are two different things. But when you really study joy and happiness in the scripture, you're going to have a really hard time finding those to be two different things. That the, the same root word that is also often applied to happiness is the same one that's applied to joy. And there are times where happiness is used in the same place that joy could have been used. And, and I think part of that is this, is that when you're joyful, you're often happy. And when you're happy, you often experience joy. That they do go hand in hand together. So if we talk about happiness, we're talking about joy. It's all about how you define it. Um, John Piper um, author, theologian, and pastor says this, it's Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the word. So he says that, that, that joy is this good feeling in your soul. It's this deep down contentment, this deep down happiness that, that comes from God's spirit in us. That Christian joy is different than just joy we can experience apart from Christ. 
And he says that it happens when we begin to see the beauty of Jesus Christ and God's word, but also in the world around us. The third verse, our definition, Kay Warren says this, that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So joy is, is just, it's deeper than surface, but it, it's this deep satisfaction, this deep happiness, this deep contentment, this deep trust that, 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 that plays itself out in the, 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 the choice to be joyful, to respond to life, to respond to situations in a way that's going to praise God. And so as Paul begins his letter, he begins by talking about joy in a specific thing, joy in relationship. He begins his letter talking about the relationship that he has with the Philippian church. He begins talking about this, this joy that he has found through their relationship. And we're going to talk about joy in relationships this morning. But let's continue to read Philippians, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1. Here's what Paul says. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I've had you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So in the first 11 verses, Paul gives an introduction and he talks about how much the Philippian people mean to him. He talks about the friendship, the relationship that he has with them. And he cites this, that, that their relationship causes him to pray with joy, that he finds joy in the relationship he has with the people. And what I want to talk about today is, is this, is that we can find joy in relationships, that relationships can help us to choose joy regardless of our circumstances. And we can experience joy when our relationships are joyful relationships. Write this down. It's kind of the bottom line for today is that our relationships, every relationship we have, our relationships are going to help or hinder our experiencing joy that our relationships are either going to help or they're going to hinder our experiencing joy. They're either going to help us to choose and experience joy. Or they're going to hinder us and make it difficult for us to choose joy in that situation because everything revolves around relationships. And we see that in the, when Jesus was asked the most important thing, he said, what? He said, love God. That's a relationship. And he said, love others as you love yourself. That's a relationship. When God created Adam and Eve, he first created them for relationship with him and then relationship for one another. That our relationships drive every part of our life. And when our relationships are good, no matter what's going on around us, we have a tendency to be more joyful. But when our relationships are unhappy, we have a tendency to also be unhappy. 
If you, if you see, you've seen people who have gone through incredibly difficult situations who have a level of joy because of the relationships and the people around them. But you've also seen people who have everything that the world says is important, but they're miserable. Why? Because their relationships are miserable. And so what I want to look at today are the, is the relationship that Paul had with the Philippians. Because as we look at that relationship, I believe there are five things about their relationship that we need to ask the question of, do I have relationships like this? Because we all need relationships. And do the relationships that we have, do the relationships that we invest in, do those relationships help us to choose and experience joy? And so we're taking notes, write these down. There are five things that, that I think we all need in relationships, that we all need relationships that do these five things. Here's the first one, is that we all need relationships that make us thankful. We all need people in our life that when we think about that person, when we're around that person, they cause us to be thankful. Paul was thankful for his relationship with the people of Philippi. Look at Philippians 1.3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He says, I thank my God always every time that I remember you. He says, when I think about you, it causes me to be thankful. When I remember you, it causes me to thank God. We all need relationships that make us thankful. And here's what's interesting is, is that Paul would often begin his letters back to the people that he knew, the churches he helped start. He would often talk about how thankful he was for their relationship. In 1 Corinthians 1, 4, in the letter to the Corinthian church, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. But not also there, but in the letter to the church in Colossians, the letter to the, the church, uh, to the, the, the person of Philemon, that in these letters and other ones, we see Paul expressing that gratitude because these relationships were ones that they made him thankful. And, and listen, if we're honest this morning, right? We always want to be honest. There are some relationships in your life that they make you thankful, but there are other relationships in your life that you're not as thankful for, right? I mean, this is being true. There are some people that when you are around them, they make that you're so grateful and thankful to be with them. And there are others who you're so thankful and grateful when they leave, right? I mean, we're just being honest because I think there's, there's two types of relationships. You have what I call the drainers. The drainers are the people in your life who always seem to just suck the life and joy out of you. They're always just taking from you. That you have to be around them, maybe at work, maybe they're in your family, maybe it's kind of like whenever they're around, you just kind of feel like they're just sucking the joy out of your life. And then there are the other people that are there, I call the developers. They're the ones who build you up. They're the ones who, that when you're around them, you, you feel like you're a better person. And those are the people that oftentimes we're gonna be more thankful for. Now, should we be thankful for everybody? Of course we should, but let's talk reality, right? that sometimes that's difficult. And if you're surrounding yourself with drainers, you're gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult for you to choose joy in those relationships because we all need people. We all need relationships that when we're in them, when we're around them, when they're around us, that they, they cause us to be thankful to God. The same thing is this is that we all need relationships, not just that make us thankful, but we all need relationships that give us support. We all need relationships that help support us and who we are. Look at Philippians 1, 4 through 5. It says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Paul said that he, he prays with joy for the Philippian people because of their partnership, because of their support. This word partnership, this idea of partnership is this Greek word koinonia. And koinonia refers to what, what some, some writers say is a gospel-centered friendship. Now, now the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, the, the gospel is the message of Jesus. It's the example of Jesus. It's that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that he served with his life. He sacrificed his life. The gospel is all about love in action. It's love supporting. It's love expressing. And so when we talk about gospel friendships, we talk about friendships that aren't just focused on that person, but they're focused on this supporting, this serving, this sacrificing. And Paul said, I'm so grateful for you, the Philippian people, because of your support. Because of the gospel friendship, the gospel-centered friendship that we have. And if we go back in the story, in, in your daily readings this week, we, we gave you readings back in the book of Acts. And those readings talked about Paul's first interaction in Acts chapter 16. It talked about Paul's first interaction with the Philippian people. When he traveled there for the first time and he, he launched and started this church that he's now writing to many years later. And we see in that that there were so many practical ways that they supported Paul and his traveling partners in their ministry. There was a lady, Lydia. She was one of the first in that, that community to put her faith and trust in Jesus. And she was a, a wealthy person. She was a, a trader in fine linens and fabrics and, and silks. And, and it says that when she accepted Christ, she, she opened up her home and gave Paul and his companions a place to stay. So supported him in very practical ways. The very setting of this letter is that Paul's in prison. We talked about that. And, and a guy named Epaphroditus has been sent by the Philippian church to bring Paul supplies and to come and update Paul, to encourage Paul and support Paul. We see that, that, that there's practical ways that they're supporting Paul. That they gave this support constantly and they're reliable in this. And we all need relationships that are going to give us support physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Those people in our lives that are ready to sacrifice and to help us out, whether it's helping us move across town, whether it's picking us up at the airport, or whether it's simply being there to answer the phone when we're going through a difficult time. Is that if you want to experience joy, we all need relationships that not only make us thankful, but relationships that support us. Here's the third thing we see about the relationship that Paul had with the Philippian people is we all need relationships that encourage our faith. We all need people in our life who will encourage our faith, who will encourage our relationship with God through Jesus, who will encourage our living for God and his ways. We all need people who do that. Look at Philippians 1, 6, and 7. Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. See, Paul's in prison. He's in prison for living out his faith, for sharing the gospel. And he says that when he thinks about the people, he finds joy because he understands that he's not fighting for the gospel alone. That he's not the only one who's suffering for the message of Jesus. That when he sees their life, he's not the only one being faithful. He's not the only one seeking to live out a life that proclaims the message of Jesus and lives out the message of Jesus. That he was surrounded by people who, when he looked at their faith, they encouraged his faith. There's a, I was reading some stuff this week and 
And there's a, a, a reality, a truth in the world called the law of entropy. It's the second law of thermodynamics. And here's what it says. It says that things that are isolated will always move toward deterioration. The things that are isolated will always move toward deterioration. And I think that happens in our life if we're not careful. That when we isolate ourselves, when we remove ourselves from people, especially as followers of Jesus, if we remove ourselves from people, then we're alone or we feel alone. It's always going to lead to our faith deteriorating. It's always going to take us further away from being whole and healthy. And that's why it's so important that we have relationships that encourage our faith. Hebrews um, 10, 24 and 25, we talk about this verse a lot, where it says, let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some, are, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. He, the, the writer says this, so listen, that we need to be inventive of how we can encourage people because we need relationships. We need people in our life who are gonna encourage our faith. You know, here's some questions for you. You know, do you have people in your life that push you closer to Jesus? Or are you constantly surrounded by people that are trying to pull you away from Jesus? Do you have people in your life that hold you accountable to God's commands and God's direction and desire for your life? Do you have people in your life who you're praying for and who are praying for you? Do you have people in your life who are making you more and more like Jesus? See, for so many of us, we live in this culture of isolation. And especially if you're an introvert like me, it's so easy to allow that desire to be away from things, that need to kind of recharge on your own, to leave you alone and keep you alone, to keep you drawn away from people. And even when you're around people, to not go much deeper than this shallow relationship maybe that some people have. But the thing is, is that whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert or anyone on that spectrum, then you need, we need relationships that are going to encourage our faith. And see, it's a tricky balance, right? Because not only are we supposed to have relationships where we're being encouraged and they encourage our faith, but we're also called to have relationships with people, to be friends with people, to know people who, who don't know Jesus yet. And so you kind of have this pendulum that'll swing. You have some people that spend all their time with Christians and they don't know anybody who needs to hear the message of Jesus. On the other hand, you have people that involve themselves so much with those who don't know Jesus, they have nobody there to support themselves. And I was trying to think like what, an illustration about like how this plays out. And I started thinking about one of those Roomba robots. Anybody have one of those things? Right? Like one person. Okay. You're right. So if you don't know what it is, but like, that's probably why I didn't write it down in my notes. I'm just off the fly here. But like the Roomba robot, what it does is it is basically, it, it comes and it sits in a charger. And then when you program it, and then when you're gone or at a certain time, it goes out from that charger and it goes out and cleans up your house. So they have some that vacuum, they have some that mop, they have some that do all this kind of stuff. So it's basically, you can vacuum your house, you can clean your house up, and you don't have to be there and do anything. But what's interesting is, is that it has to stay connected to that charger. And that when it goes out, when the battery gets low, it has to come back and it has to be recharged. And to me, it's a great illustration that we're supposed to go and be sent out. But if we spend too much of our time sent out and not enough of our time connected to those who are going to encourage our faith, then we're going to one day run out of juice. We're going to run out of power and we're going to be feel stranded out there. So we've got to find that balance, but we've got to allow time in our life to be in relationship with people who are going to encourage 
our faith. Here's the fourth thing is that we need relationships who are going to bring us love. Look what Paul said. I said this was kind of a very personal message. Here's what he says. He says, God knows that I want to see you very much because I love all of you with the love of Christ Jesus. Now, in our society, we're, we're, not, we're not surprised by love, but sometimes we're surprised by the expression of love, especially us guys, right? It's one thing to, to love somebody, but... We got to be careful, right, how we express that love, because if we express that love in a wrong way, we don't want people to see that we care. We don't want people to see that maybe we're not as tough as we want to appear to be. But the reality is this, is that we need relationships in our life that lead us to love, that, that, that bring us love. And not just a love that we hold in, but a love that we're willing to express. A love that says, listen, I care about you. I care about you with affection, with, with the love like Jesus Christ loved me, that we need those relationships. And Paul in his day said, listen, I'm not embarrassed to say, I love you guys. That I mean, I, I long to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I hate the fact I'm stuck in prison because I love you so much. I want to be with you. And see, so often love stays hidden. So often we may feel this love, but in relationship, we don't express that love and we don't act out in that love. But here's the reality. Dr. David Jeremiah says this in his book, Count All Joy. He says, love that does not act fails to meet the standards set down in God's word. That love that we feel is different than the love that we express. And that we need relationships, not just that have love, but relationships that bring love to us, that express love to us, and that we can express love back to them. And it doesn't mean we always have to be sappy. It doesn't mean we always have to be all, you know, blubbery about it. But we need to be able to be people that can express love and find relationships that express love back to us. And here's the last thing is that we need, all need relationships that lead us to want the best for others. We all need relationships that, in that relationship, our primary concern is not just us, but it causes us to want the best for somebody else. Look how Paul concludes this section of his letter, starting in verse 9. He says, and this is my prayer. So Paul says, listen, I I have this relationship with you, man. This relationship brings me so much joy, so much joy that I want the best for you. And so this is what I pray. He said, I pray this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Listen, Paul's main concern, sitting in prison, rotting in jail because of his faith. His main concern wasn't him. His main concern was for the benefit and the best of the Philippian people. He said, here's what I pray. I pray God's best for you. See, so often if we're not careful, we judge the value of relationships based upon what we get out of that relationship. And if we don't feel like we're invested in enough, if we don't feel like that person is not enough for us, then it causes us to devalue that relationship. When in reality, relationships that bring joy, relationships that are the, 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 the relationship that, that Paul's talking about here, those relationships cause us to want the best for somebody else. 
Listen, if every relationship you have causes you to be insecure, there's no way you're going to want the best for the other person. If every relationship you're in causes you to be so insecure and has, has such little security that you feel like you're constantly having to perform, you're constantly having to, to, to be a certain type of person, you're constantly having to portray a certain image, then that's not a relationship that's going to bring you joy. That's a draining relationship, not a developing relationship. And I know we got some teenagers in here, and listen, sometimes the, the danger we find ourselves in, right? I'm not that old, okay? I, ha- I have teenagers. I can still remember this. But like, like for us, right, and you're in high school, it's all about the appearance sometimes. It's all about, well, I need to portray myself a certain way because that's how I'll get accepted. That's not a relationship that's going to bring you joy. And I would rather my kids, I would rather my life, this is what I did, I would rather you have fewer friends that are better friends than to be friends with everybody who you feel like you constantly can't be yourself with. Because if you can't be yourself, then you're not gonna want the best for the other person because you're constantly gonna be fighting to say, what can I get out of that? See, but that's not just for teenagers. We see that in life. We see that in the drama of relationships sometimes. That a relationship that brings joy to our life is one that ultimately causes us to put the other person first and not worry so much about how they perceive us. Because we base that around love. And Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians 13. And he says this, he says, love never gives up. And here's the second thing he says about love that love cares more for others than for self. See, true love, true joy in relationships will cause us to want the best for the other person before ourselves. That's a relationship that brings us joy. So we all need those relationships. We all need those relationships that, that make us thankful, that give us support, that encourage our faith, that bring us love, that lead us to want the best for the other person. But how do we find this? So what do you do at the beginning of 2017 if you're taking inventory of your relationships and you're saying, okay, here's the relationships that I have. Here's the ones that match up to these five things. And I need some more that match up to these five things. How do we find these relationships? What can we do to get our lives in relationship with other people who will cause joy to come into our life will help us to choose joy. Well, we'll end with this, three practical things. Here's the first one. Is that if you're looking for relationships like this, if you want to develop relationships like this, the first thing we need to do is pray. We need to pray. Now, I know prayer is one of those things we talk about in church, and it's kind of like, well, of course, you should pray. But no, seriously, we should pray. Well, so here's the question. Well, does God really care about your friendships? Does God really care that you feel alone? Does God really care that you don't have anybody to talk to when you're going through a hard time with your family? Does God really care about you? Yes, he cares about you. And he cares about you and he listens to you and he hears the things that you pray for that go along with the desires he has for you. Look at this verse. 1 John 5, 14, he says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Listen, if we are asking God to bring us friends and relationships that bring joy to our life, God is not bothered by that. God listens to that. He hears that. He cares about that. 
Other verses tell us this, that when we pray according to God's word, that God answers us. We can have confidence that God's going to give it to us. And so if we're needing those relationships, the first thing we need to do is pray. Say, God, would you open my eyes to the people around me who are the people that I need to invest in and who need to invest in me that can bring me joy? God, would you help me to meet people who can become those type of people for my life and where I can do the same for them? So we need to begin with prayer. Second thing is this, is that we've got to seek. We've got to seek. So many times that we approach God and we say, okay, God, I'm going to stand right here and God, I'm going to pray that you'll do something. But if you don't do it right here, I'm not, up, I'm not open to doing it. And God says, well, if you'll just take a step here, you're going to find what you're looking for. But you say, God, get, bring it to me. God, give it to me. And all around you is the opportunity, but you've got to be willing to do something with that. We've got to be willing to seek. Listen, if you're not willing to step out, to take a risk, to get to know somebody, to get involved in a life group, to, to get involved in a serving team, to say hi to the person you sit next to every week at church and you never talk to him except when Ryan says, give him a high five. Like if you're never willing, right? You're never willing to take a step, then we can't blame God if we don't get what we're praying for. We've got to pray but we've also got to seek. We've got to do our part to that. And here's the third thing, is that we've got to become. We've got to become. We need to become the people we're wanting to be friends with. We need to become the people who we're wanting to find. We need to become the people who, when we invite them into our life in relationship, they're blessed because we're now in their life. See, I think so often we, we run into this problem of looking in the wrong places for the right things. And part of that becoming is we've got to put ourselves in places where when we're praying and seeking and we're becoming, we can find those relationships. There's a, there's a saying that, that people talk about, about the reason you don't have to go to church and stuff. And they say it like this. They say, listen, just going to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian then going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Have you heard that before? Anybody heard that? It says, just going to church, just stepping into the doors of a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than stepping in the doors of McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. But here's the, here's the flip side of that. If you're looking for a Big Mac, you've got a pretty good shot of finding it at McDonald's. If you're looking for a Christian, a Christian friend, a person who could potentially be this person, you've got a pretty good shot of finding him in the church. So quit looking in places where you're not going to find the Big Mac, where you're not going to find the person, and maybe try the place that God says, you've got a better shot of finding people like that here. And are we willing to step up? See, if we want to choose joy, right? If we want to embrace that idea that joy is not just a possibility, but joy is a promise. If we want to, no matter what's happening in our life, no matter what we experience this year, make a decision and position ourselves to experience joy and to choose joy regardless of what's going on. The relationships in our life are either going to help us to do that or they're going to hinder us from doing that. They're either going to point us closer and empower us to choose joy or they're going to make it harder for us. They're going to create more stress for our lives. And so here's the question, the takeaway that I want to leave you with as we conclude today. Are your relationships helping you to experience joy? Are your relationships, are the the people closest to you, the relationships you're involved in, 
Are those relationships helping you to choose and to experience joy? If not, it could be that we need to find some different relationships. That we need to pray, we need to seek, we need to become. Because what God has in store for our life, the promise that he has, isn't dependent upon what we experience. It's not about what happens to us. It's about what we choose. And we can choose joy. We can decide right now that 2017 is going to be a year where we find joy. We experience happiness. And one of the ways that we can do that is by making sure that the relationships we have in our life, the close relationships in our life are the ones that are helping us to choose and experience joy. And if we don't have those, we need to pray that God would provide them. We need to go look for them and become the type of person we need to be. So that if somebody's looking for that, they'll find that in us. Let's pray together. Father God, we come today at the beginning of this new year with hope. God, with joy that at the beginning of every new year, there's new possibility, there's new expectation, there's new opportunity, God. But we also know this, that there's going to be times of challenge. and There's going to be things, God, that are going to come our way that, that, that aren't going to propel us and make it easy for us to find joy. But Jesus, your words to us have promised us this, that we can find joy. We can choose to be joyful. We can choose to embrace that promise no matter what happens and what comes our way. And God, we can do that because of the power of your spirit inside of us. But God, the relationships in our life, they're either going to help us or they're going to make it more difficult. And so God, as we take some time, I, I pray we just ask that question. In all authenticity, God, are the relationships in my life, or are they helping me to experience joy? Or God, do I need to pray that you'll provide some different relationships? Do I need to be willing to seek and take a step of faith? Do I need to become a person who can bring joy to somebody else? And so God, as we sing this song, as we open our hearts and respond to you, God, would you call us to do whatever we need to do this morning? If God, we need to come to the front and just pray and confess that maybe we've been surrounding ourselves with the wrong people. And God, that we just need your strength to move forward. I pray we do that. If we need to write a, a prayer out and place it in the fences on the sides, God, to be prayed for by our team this week, God, would you just allow us to do that? If we need to come and light a candle that says, God, this is my prayer. This white candle is my prayer. This white candle is my need. Maybe this morning, God, I come and, and today, God, my response, your response is, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus because without Jesus, I can't find joy. Maybe just lighting a red candle and saying, I choose Jesus this morning. Maybe that will be the thing that you need to do. But God, we give this time to you and we ask you to lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.